This is an Aim High U production. Today on The Purpose Lab. We cannot expect ourselves to become somebody else. Instead of trying to be that person, you know, like, oh, where did you get that shirt? And I want to wear that same shoes. And it's like, wait a minute. What's their vibe that you love so much? And how can you get that vibe in your life in your own way? So today's guest on the um, Purpose Lab is Carrie Richardson. She is a lifestyle designer, trained coach, and the Wall Street Journal bestselling author of What Your Clutter Is Trying to Tell You, and her latest book, From Clutter to Clarity. I can't wait to talk more about that. From Clutter to Clarity. Um, she has helped thousands of people around the world learn to use their blocks as stepping stones to living their best lives. Through her signature clutter readings, she can help you discover the real reason you struggle to let go of physical and emotional clutter. This sounds deep, Carrie. This sounds deep. So we're going to go a little deep. You ready to get deep, Carrie? I'm ready. <laughs> Let's all do right, it. So here we go. So Carrie, first of all, just tell us a little bit about yourself. Just tell us um, a little bit about your background. Sure. So it's kind of interesting. My background is actually in journalism and writing. So that's what I went to school for. That's what I studied. And I was the managing editor of a magazine for about eight years. And it was a bi-weekly publication. And I worked with primarily novice writers who were notorious about missing deadlines, as we writers tend to do. Um, and so I would be chasing them down. You know, where's your article? There's only so many fluff pieces I can put in my magazine. I need your stuff. <laughs> and they would tell me all the reasons why they couldn't get to writing, their job, their kids, their spouse, all these commitments, but I knew they really wanted to write. Mm -hmm. And so selfishly motivated first, I would help them reprioritize their lives to make writing more accessible. And it was totally because I needed their stuff first. As I was doing that, I thought, wow, this is kind of a cool part of the job. I like helping people focus on what they really want to be focusing on. That's when I discovered this profession of life coaching which was pretty young at the time, because I've been doing it for about 16, 17 years. Okay. Back then, no one really knew what it was. Um, <laughs> but there were two training organizations that really um, provided comprehensive training. I decided to take some exploratory courses and thought, yeah, this is what I'm doing. And um, so started coaching people at night while I was still working at the magazine until my practice grew enough that I could go out on my own. And um, so I was uh, started off as like a pretty traditional life coach, helping people go from where they are to where they want to be and, and navigating the twists and turns of the journey. But the concepts in life coaching can be really difficult to wrap your head around. They're pretty intangible. Mm -hmm. So I started to frame the conversations under the guise of clutter. Like mm -hmm. imagine that's anything that's getting in your way. It's just clutter and let's figure out how we can clear it. Right? right, So that's how I kind of entered the clutter world. Well, inevitably, okay. you use that word and everyone comes to you like, help me clean out my closets. And I'm like, yeah. okay, we can start there, but just know we're going to go deep fast. It's going to be nothing about the closet and everything to do with like your belief system. Okay. So, so uh, back up a little bit. So sure. when you went to school, I'm sure you didn't think anything about this, but I always say that every situation that's never happening to us is always happening for us. So how mm -hmm. did your life experiences going back prepare you for what you're doing now? Oh, it so did. You know, I've always been the kind of go-to person. I am incredibly resourceful. I love to figure <laughs> out difficult situations. My friends in high school called me Dear Abby, if that <laughs> reference still even translates. But, you know, they would come to me 
with their struggles and their problems. And I would help offer a fresh perspective. So Mm -hmm. yeah, from when I was very young, I'm the youngest of seven kids. Um, and the, but the gap between myself and, the, and my next sibling is about five years, so I can have the qualities of more of a firstborn or only child. So very independent, um, and just always, you know, I came from a family, and I come from a family of extremely compassionate, loving people. Um, and so I learned growing up the power of helping others, and so I loved to help people get out of their own way. So absolutely, I was preparing for this unknowingly since I was a child. Um, eighth grade, I had an amazing English teacher aptly mm-hmm. named Dr. Divine. Really? Oh, wow. Yeah. Wow. Divine. <laughs> and Divine. Divine connection, huh? <laughs> exactly. And he is really what turned me into kind of the word nerd when it came to writing because he just made learning so much fun. And I watched how he helped people overcome their struggles with learning through song you know the kids would be tapping our pencils during a test because we're singing the song in our head that he taught us um so just i I saw the creative ways that you can help people and i was always drawn to that as well so it's funny that you say that so i've always told in my stories and when i go speak around the country i always talk about i wish somebody would have identified that i'm an auditory learner so i love listening to audiobooks i do that while i'm working out so Mm -hmm. you said this this teacher mr Mm -hmm. divine Mm-hmm. was able to identify different things to enable the class to say, oh, this is pretty fun. How important yes. that, how important is that to you, to con- that connection? It's so critical. I mean, it really is this kind of idea that there is a one template to learning, just as one template to life. Mm. There's just not, there's nuances and there's um, there's just special little aspects that we all need, which was what makes us all so beautifully unique. But it's difficult when you're trying to thrive in an environment that thinks that there's one path. And so, yes, this teacher of mine got the people who were visual learners, the people who were auditory learners, uh, experiential learners. He really was able to create all of that in that lesson plan. And again, from watching him do that, not knowing, you know, 20 years later, you know, I, I would be working with clients and and really appreciating the importance of meeting people where they're at, mm-hmm. you know? So working with my clients, yes, there are common themes that rumble underneath the surface for sure, but I have to work with people and I love working with people with where they are at. What type of communicator are they? You know, are they a high visual? Are they a kinesthetic? Or, you know, what type of communicator are they? So I can make sure that they'll be able to, that we'll be able to connect well. So it's super important. Definitely. So do you feel, because you use that word love, do you feel that because this is your, and you haven't used this word, but because this is your purpose, this is a thing that you're passionate about, do Mm -hmm. you feel an obligation to then figure out what works for the clients that you're working with? I do. You know, it's, it's interesting. Like as a, as a business owner, when you start out, it's, well, at least for me, I can speak for me. It's, um, it's very ego driven, right? Mm -hmm. So it's like, I start off my business with wanting so desperately to provide value, which on the surface sounds lovely, right? It sounds like a lovely yes. <laughs> trait. But really, it's it's an ego-driven, selfish kind of place of like, please tell me that I did good. Um, and it's not really from a service place yet. Mm-hmm. And so as you get comfortable, and as I got comfortable and confident in my abilities to help people, I was able to really come at it from a, from a real service place. And that is my default now. Whenever I'm struggling 
with the work that I'm doing or feeling like I'm not being as effective as I want to be, that's my kind of go-to question to go back to is how can I be of service today? Instead of like, how can I make some money today? Or how can I push this product some more? It's like, no. My father always taught me growing up, I come from a family of entrepreneurs, and he always said relationships before results. Mm. That was his mantra. And so I have to, so that's what I remember. It's like, how can I be of service? Because it's relationships first. I love that your father said that. So you mentioned mm. a couple things and you talked about relationships with them, which I'm big on relationships. Cause I, I believe, as you said, you have to meet people where they are. And sometimes mm-hmm. you have to help them see what's possible because so many times people are looking at and have been told what's impossible. So I love yes. that you just said that. Something else that you said was that confidence. How did you begin developing the confidence to do this thing that was fairly new as you talked about? So now mm-hmm. you're actually stretching yourself outside of your confidence comfort zone. How did you stretch yourself outside of that to become more confident? Gosh, it was, um, it was tricky. You know, it did not come easily. When I started coaching people, I was maybe 30 years old. I was a kid, Mm -hmm. right? And so I'm coaching clients who are in their 50s. And I sounded really young, so because all my work is over the phone, right? So they don't see mm-hmm. my face. They don't. Mm-hmm. Um, I mean, back then they didn't, and uh, <laughs> and I was always shaky yeah. when I'd get on the phone, and I would think to myself, "They are going to think who is this kid to yeah. provide life advice to me mm-hmm. when I'm 20 years her senior or whatever?" So mm-hmm. yeah, I, I it was shaky at first, um, and I think it just comes with practice. I mean, I know it sounds so cliche, but we can speculate all we want. We can try to prepare ourselves all we want. And preparation is great. But sometimes and most times the best preparation is when you are in the arena doing the work. Mm-hmm. You know, you can only study so much. You can only mm-hmm. um, like propose so much. You've got to get in there and get your hands dirty. And that's really what helped me to build my confidence. So, you know, the first couple years or more, of coaching people, I was tentative, I was unsure. Even when people would give me great feedback, I was still like, you know, that kind of imposter syndrome, who do I think I am to be doling out life advice, you know, at 30. Um, but I always just told my clients, you know, I'm an old soul in a younger body. <laughs> so let me ask you a question. So let's 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 put a pin in that. So you're being told that you are good, that this is working. Where do you think the incongruency was between you believing that you were good enough to do this? Uh, In my belief system, right? Mm -hmm. So um, our belief system is formed when we're young. You know, Mm -hmm. what are they, like birth through age six or seven is when we write the instruction manual for our lives. We are observing, I was observing around me you know, what, what am I doing well? What are my strengths? What feedback am I getting? And so it's forming these beliefs around um, the value I provide in a relationship and how I provide it. And so when I was starting with the coaching, you know, my belief system was very strong in the um, you have to provide for people in order to be liked or loved. You can't be liked or loved just for who you are. Mm. You, you know, it, relationships are transactional. That was mm. part of my belief system growing up. Um, and so that got in the way. Even mm. though people would say to me, like, God, this is amazing. Thank you so much. You've really helped me. I w- What that actually did, interestingly enough, was it validated a blocking belief that I had mm. that told me I have to provide value to earn love. Mm. 
So while it sounded like a compliment coming my way, it validated my limiting belief. Mm. That didn't mm. allow me, and not that you want to be with clients, but in personal relationships, that belief system didn't allow me to drop my guard and really be vulnerable with people. Because the other part of that belief system was, don't be needy, needy or vulnerable, otherwise people are just not going to want have, have, any, have anything to do with you and they're going to take off. Mm. So uh, my relationships were very distant, were very surface. Mm-hmm. Um, so yeah, even though I got those great accolades, all it did was validate a, a limiting belief. I, I, thank you. Thank you for being transparent with that. So yeah. once again, you said we're going deep. So yeah. how did you break through that? Because when we're talking, and like I said, the 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 our podcast is about interviewing the world's most successful failures, failures mm-hmm. who understood the importance of their story, who understand the importance of whatever situation they go through to be able to learn something from that. So mm-hmm. now you're figuring this out. Now you're actually being validated for something that you didn't want to be about. Mm-hmm. How did you figure this out and be able to break past that resistance to do what it is you're doing now? Yeah. So I, it took like, as I grew up and matured and I realized that my friendships while good and felt special, weren't as deep as I would see for other people. And I would kind of be like, wow, like I guess I've just never had a really best, best friend yet mm. or something, not realizing that I was the one preventing it. And I remember one phone call that I had with a friend of mine. I don't remember how old I was, but I was relatively young. When I say young, I'm like late 20s, early 30s. Um, and... Uh, she always called me for advice and she always called me to kind of like dump her woes on me and I would receive Mm -hmm. them and that kind of thing. Mm -hmm. This particular phone call, for some reason, I had some stuff going on in my life that I opened up to her about, which was very rare. Mm -hmm. Um, Because you were always that person. I was always that person. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So everyone's like, oh, Carrie has her act together. She's got everything. I'm like, you have no idea. I'm a mess yes. under here. You know? Yes, um, we all are. <laughs> yeah, right. <laughs> Beautiful messes. So, yes. um, so I opened up to her, and I remember right after we finished our conversation, I had a shame attack, mm. and I was like, "Oh my god, what did you just do? She's never going to talk to you again. Why did you sound so pathetic?" And I was really not, but I, this is the inner chatter, right? This is the mental yes. clutter chattering mm-hmm. away in my brain. Mm-hmm. And I thought, gosh, well, there goes that friendship because I was vulnerable. And she called me the next day, which I, and I was shaking when I answered the phone. And she said, I just want to talk to you a little bit about our conversation last night. And I thought, oh, here we go. <laughs> and she said, that was the best conversation we've ever had. Mm-hmm. And I was like, "What? why? And she said, I feel like I know you on a whole new level. You never let me hold space for you. And mm-hmm. I feel like we just got so much closer. And that blew my mind because I was like, wait a minute does not compute like short circuits were going off in my belief system like wait a minute this is not what's supposed to happen and so that experience really was a turning point for me to go hmm if that can happen in this friendship i wonder if that could happen elsewhere Hmm. and so that's when i started to kind of test the waters of um being more open and vulnerable and honest with people and and i you know like i tell my clients you know when you're trying something new go low risk first. And so I would mm. try it with people who I knew there was a really high chance they weren't going to go anywhere. Um, <laughs> and then I worked up to the riskier people. <laughs> yes, yes. And it, 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 that authentic self, right? That authentic mm. self. And I was reading a book um, a couple months ago called Rejection Proof. 
and being okay and being vulnerable enough to put yourself out there. And a lot of times we're afraid of that rejection. We're afraid of what other people are going to think. I remember mm-hmm. I think it was Oprah who did an interview one time and she was saying people would always come to her because she was always the person who was saying yes. And so she yeah. said, finally, she wanted to say no. And she felt like, you know what, this is my chance to say no. So her her big um, person who came to her asking her for some was Stevie Wonder. And Stevie mm-hmm. Wonder was asking her, hey, Oprah, because just like everybody, hey, Oprah, you know, we we got this scholarship we're trying to do for the kids. And she said, and, and she said, no, I, I can't help the kids this time because I'm doing something else. And Stevie Wonder said, oh, okay, that's fine. All right, talk to you later. And she was like, oh my God, oh my God, he's never going to want to <laughs> sing for me anymore. He's never going to want to do anything. And mm. then when she spoke to him again, he was like, no, that's fine. And I think a lot of times we're mm. putting the expectations or we're putting these false realities on other people because mm-hmm. of how we're feeling, because of the belief system we have, because of the patterns that we've been playing that self-talk over again and again. So let's get to it. So when we oh, talk sure. about clutter and everything that we're talking about, so mm-hmm. what is the clutter about? Gosh, this, you know, I love clutter. <laughs> and here's why. Because when looked at in this unique way, it can really be a powerful catalyst for change. So all of that belief system stuff is clutter. And it doesn't, you know, clutter gets a bad rap because the word just sounds really negative and shameful and and all, you know, all of that. But there's so much more to it. You know, when you think about anything in your life that is getting in the way of you going to where you want to be, um, it's clutter. So that can be, it can absolutely be stacks of paperwork on your desk. It can be a congested closet. It can be books piled high. But those are all symptomatic. Mm. Like that's symptomatic clutter. Mm. If you can get rid of it easily, then it really is just simple clutter. You just need to make the time for it and get rid of it. Mm-hmm. But that's not the clutter that people talk about. The clutter that people talk about is the stubborn stuff, the stuff that's really tough to let go of. I know I want to get rid of it, but I can't. So whether that's a thought, a thing or a person, if you know that that item no longer serves your highest good, but you struggle to let go of it, there is a message in that mess. Mm. And so that's when you want to ask yourself, like, okay, what what are the stories I'm telling myself about why I can't let this person go, this thing go, or this thought go? How am I convincing myself to keep it? Mm. That's going to, because that's going to point to your belief system. Because what I have found No matter what your block is, your obstacle, or your clutter, there's one of three things going on underneath it. And it's going to be a limiting belief, like we've talked about. That's the biggest factor. (laughs) It's going to be a need for boundaries in your life, and it's going to be unrealistic expectations. (sighs) Or any combination of the three, because they all like to play together. (sighs) Uh, So when you think about, gosh, you know, I can't... um, you know, I can't say no to Stevie Wonder because he's never going to talk to me again. Mm. Then that's your limiting belief clutter, keeping you in a transactional relationship with someone who probably means a lot to you. Mm. And so her, Oprah saying no to Stevie Wonder, I guarantee deep in their relationship, not from Stevie's side necessarily, because he was like, okay, thanks anyway, see you next mm-hmm. time. But mm-hmm. for her, it challenged her belief of relationships don't have to be transactional. Mm. Um, so otherwise, her relationship with Stevie Wonder would have been clutter. Mm. But now she cleaned up that clutter by uh, honoring her no. Okay. So let me ask you a question. Is some of the clutter needed in our life? Does it serve any particular purpose? Absolutely. I, you know, I look at clutter as a temper tantrum of our soul is what Mm. I call it. And so 
when we have stubborn clutter, it is like our soul's trying to get our attention um, that something is out of alignment in our lives. And so it's really beneficial um, when we struggle to let go of it because we think about, um, you know, I want this gone, but I can't get rid of it. What does it represent to me? Mm-hmm. And it's really fascinating because what I have found, like we'll, we'll talk about physical clutter because that's the easiest for people to wrap their heads around. The type of clutter you tend to accumulate and where you tend to accumulate it has a lot to say mm. about what the real message is in the mess, right? So I'll give you a couple quick examples. So, you know, people talk about the kitchen being the heart of the home. So I call the bedroom the soul of the home. If your house tends to be pretty neat and tidy, for the most part, but then you go into your bedroom and that's where it's just a mess. Uh, That to me, as someone who has studied this, tells me that your self-care is way at the bottom of your priority list, Mm. that you make sure everything is nice and orderly for everybody else. But when it comes to your needs, you don't have anything left. Mm. So when you don't have anything left, then we, so you tell me you have bedroom clutter, I'm going to look at your boundaries. Mm. Mm. So it's not going to be about, well, just fold those shirts and find out which ones you like to keep. Okay, that's part of it, right? But really, it's like, tell me about the relationships in your life. Okay, okay. Wow, wow. Yeah. So I heard, and I always go to different things that I reference. I believe the internet is wonderful. I believe in the age of technology, ignorance is a choice. Because anyone can mm-hmm. be your mentor now. And so I remember hearing from, I think he was a general, and he was telling a story about making up your bed is your first win of the day. So when mm-hmm. you're working with your clients, how do you get them from being at the lowest point to at least taking the first step? You talked about stepping stones in in, in your bio. Yes. Talk to me about that. Yeah. You know, we so often equate success with just the finish line. Mm-hmm. And that is not the case. Our success is found in the action, not in the outcome. Mm. So it's just in the doing of something that you get to reap the rewards of that feeling of achievement and accomplishment, just trying something. I mean, really, if you think about it, is there really such a thing as failure or is it just trying? Mm. You know, I always kind of joke around and say, you know, there's a cleaning product called Formula 409, Mm -hmm. right? It's called that because the formula failed 408 times. Oh wow! Didn't like know that's that. a true story. Yeah. Wow. And w- once they once they hit gold, the scientists were like, "What do we call this?" And the guy's like, mm. "Formula four hundred nine. That's what it is. Wow. It's our four hundred ninth attempt at this formula." So they kept trying all four hundred eight times until they hit gold. And so you know that whole idea of just getting started and seeing that success is in the action that helps my clients so much because it makes it more realistic for them. Remember, unrealistic expectations is one of the three core causes of clutter, um, and helping them to decipher between your present self and your future self. So your future self is the one that is so excited at the idea of having that garage all organized Mm -hmm. or losing all that weight because weight Mm -hmm. is clutter in its own form. Um, Future self can really see the value in in getting that goal accomplished. Mm. Present self, however, is the one who has to do the heavy lifting. Mm. Present self has to do the work. Present self loves immediate gratification. Mm. So present self's not going to be able to see the benefit of the end game, but they're going to see the benefit of the quick win. Mm. And so that's what I tell my clients is like, let's look at what is one thing 
I help them break things down. I call them into like silly small steps. Like if there's something you are really resisting taking action on, I want you to break it down to a step that is so small you can knock it out in five minutes. Mm. Like that easy. So like if I need to make a phone call that I'm kind of stressed about and I'm really avoiding it, step one is I'm going to write the phone number down on a post-it note. Mm. Step one. Mm. Like silly, right? But Mm -hmm. it's like, what I'm doing is I'm building self-trust because I'm not throwing myself into the fire. It's like, wait a minute, Carrie, just write down the number and now write down some thoughts about what you're going to say and just step into it. Everything you do won't have to be in such micro steps, but that's the power of getting started because let's not worry about finishing. Let's worry about creating a habit of getting good at getting started. If you get good at getting started, you're inevitably going to finish. Right. So let's focus more on starting than finishing. And I think that's the key. I love what you just said. Let's focus on getting good at getting started. So getting good at getting started, getting good at getting started. So if we Mm -hmm. get better and get good at getting started, then we take the action steps, which is what you talked about. So from that action step, we have that thing called fear. Right. Mm -hmm. So how do you give them that? push. I know you said breaking it down to micro steps, but what mm-hmm. what's the push or is it you pushing or is it them understanding that I got to do this? Yeah, it's um it's welcoming in and listening to the fear. Mm-hmm. Right? Our tendency is to push it aside, to overcome it, to push through it. Uh and I I get that. I get that approach to some degree. But if there's a part of you that has some fear, it needs to express and you are ignoring it, denying it, um, turning a blind eye to it, it's just going to get louder to get your attention. Mm. So instead, you know, if and when the fear comes up for someone with getting started, I'll say, you know, oftentimes the first kind of clutter we need to clear is our resistance before anything else. And so that's when I'll say, grab a notebook, grab your journal, grab whatever, and just empty that brain, write down everything, vent about how much you don't want to have to do what you're about to do. Um, what, what are your fears about it? Uh, what is what is coming up for you in your mind as you consider doing this task or this project that I, as your coach, outlined for you? Um, l- let's give voice to the fear. That It's kind of like, you know when a child is like really... Th- throwing a temper tantrum and you're trying to like, and you just kind of ignore them. Right. Mm -hmm. And then finally, when you're like, what? And they quiet right down. Mm. It's the same thing with our fear. It's like, it's going to continue to throw that temper tantrum. I'm not saying indulge it, but just acknowledge it. Mm. And sometimes it's like, that is all it needs to quiet down. Mm. What? So as we talk about this, does pain play a part in this? Yeah. You know, the pain, the pain needs to get greater than the fear for for you to take action. As human beings, we are wired to run from pain and gravitate toward pleasure. Mm. So if your fear is greater than your pain, then it's gonna be really hard to move. Mm. Not impossible, but it's gonna be more difficult. That doesn't mean we wanna always have to wait until the pain gets so excruciating that we're, our hands are forced. Um, and so the goal here is if you're feeling some fear, let's tap into that because fear, like clutter, gets a bad rap. Mm. Fear is often excitement in disguise. Mm. You know, so let's look at it and say, is are you really afraid of this? 
And if you are, tell me what you're afraid of. Mm -hmm. And one thing I love to do with fears is I love to play them out. So if someone tells me, well, I'm afraid... Um, I'm afraid if I get my house all cleaned up and organized, then the family is going to expect me to host the holidays, and I really don't want to. Mm. Okay, so let's imagine the house is all clean and organized, and your family contacts you and says, great, can you host Thanksgiving this year? Mm-hmm. What are you going to do? Well, I don't know. I don't, well, let's talk about how you can say no with grace. You know, like, how can you graciously say no? Mm. So it's not a fear of getting rid of stuff. It's fear of having to set a boundary with the family as one mm. example. So play your fear out because I would say nine times out of 10, if not more, you will find that that fear holds no water mm. once you play it out. And imagine that your greatest fear comes true. What are you going to do? I think it was, it might've been Tim Ferriss who had a fear that if he went out on his own or tried to have his own businesses, that he would be broke, that he wouldn't Mm. be able to afford to live and that he would be uh, living on rice and beans. And that's all he'd be able to afford to eat. Mm -hmm. And I think he he lived on rice and beans for a week just to see if he could do it. And he was like, well, Mm. I can do it. It's not so bad. (laughs) So he played out his fears, right? He played out his fears. He found Mm. out, I can handle that. So when you play out your fears and you get to that point, and I noticed um, something that I've read on you where you talked about that gives you space to create and attract opportunities. Talk Mm -hmm. to me about that. Yeah. You know, when you give space to your fear, it's not consuming so much of your bandwidth and your energy anymore Mm. because resisting it is like trying to hold a balloon underwater. Right, It's going to pop up at a really inopportune time, and it's just really hard to do. So that takes up a lot of your energy, your effort, your m- mental space. Um, when you make space for your fear and say, all right, you know, I hear you, anxiety. Oh, yep, I feel that flutter in my heart. You know, I'm feeling that nervousness mm-hmm. come up. It's okay. I got you. Mm-hmm. You know, that's how I always talk to my younger self, I, or I talk to my fear is I call her kiddo, and I'm like, I got you, kiddo. I'm right here. I'm right here. Mm-hmm. And I can, I can feel her calm down, right? And so when I make space for that fear and let it feel held instead of pushed away, I then create this space in my world and in my body and in my energy um, to welcome in abundance, opportunities, gifts that we're always going to be there. This isn't like magic woo-woo that you're making this stuff pop up out of nowhere. It was always there. It's just that your focus was so honed in on your fear that you could not see the other abundance that was there. So let's not let fear consume so much of us. Let's let it have its space. Um, and then we can see all of the rest. We can see all the gifts and opportunities in the periphery. Because I think a really good rule of thumb is, if you are afraid, see if you can find any excitement at all about that mm-hmm. same thing. If there's even a little bit of excitement, I say you're heading in the right direction. Fear and excitement is the best combination because we want you stepping out of your comfort zone. You, you, We want to get you out of off of autopilot and be like, all right, I'm a little nervous. Good. Good. Mm-hmm. That tells me that you're, you're stretching. How important, I love that you said that word stretch as well and I always use the analogy of a rubber band, right? We can stretch that mm-hmm. rubber band out, but what does that rubber band want to do? Go back to what's normal. And I yes. even told a client that I worked with recently, I said, even though that rubber band is going back to what it assumes is normal, it's been stretched. How mm. important is the stretch? It's so vital because the more you stretch, even in little simple ways, right? The more you stretch, the bigger your comfort zone becomes. Mm-hmm. 
Mm-hmm. And so now, you know, when you've when you've stepped out of the comfort zone and you've stepped into the stretch zone, right? In um in experiential education, they talk about the comfort zone, the stretch zone, and the panic zone. Mm-hmm. And so we we live in our comfort zone naturally. Stepping your toe into that stretch zone and getting comfortable with that new area now brings that new area into your comfort zone. And now your comfort zone is even bigger. Then you get to step out again and it continues to grow. It's can we trust ourselves enough to recognize when we've stepped into panic zone mm-hmm. and reel ourselves back in? And I guarantee you, everyone listening to this can come up with at least one example in their lives when they found themselves in the panic zone place and went, whoa, mm. and they backed up successfully. Yeah. So you don't have to worry about stretching yourself too far. You'll know when that rubber band's about to snap and you'll you'll release the pressure. So it's so important to stretch. We, you can't have something different in your life if you never do anything different. Mm. Mm. You know, we, so we've got to we've got to stretch. Definitely, we keep mentioning different people. Um, Tim Ferriss, we said Oprah. Um, like they're mm-hmm. you know we got them on speed dial, right? And so we keep <laughs> mentioning different people. How important is it to surround yourself, or as we said, you know, in the age of technology, we can get on the internet. How important is mentors or people who can hold you accountable? It's uh, it's it's really important. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I mean, it's so important because think of it like um. You know, when you wanted to be the good student in school or you wanted to make the teacher proud, uh, we, we do much better, myself included, being accountable to somebody else mm-hmm. than we do ourselves. Um, because, again, whether it's our belief system that we want to make people happy, not a bad thing, right? So having mentors, having um, coaches, people who are in your corner, who can help to see your situation in a way that you just can't because you're too close to it, is vital. Because when we are so close to our own situation and we're struggling with something, we will often confuse difficult choices with no choice. Mm. Whereas an outside person can say, well, wait a minute, have you thought of A, B, C, D, and E? Mm. And you'll likely say, well, no, I can't do that because of all these reasons. Well, do you know that to be true? Mm -hmm. Like, why don't we test it out and see? Um, When we are in our own bubble too much, everything is all or nothing. And with all or nothing thinking, nothing always wins. Wow. Right? So wow. how so? Wow. Because if you if you think about I've got to do everything or nothing, of course you're gonna choose nothing because doing everything is so intimidating. It's scary. You're not allowing your again, it's the seeing the success only at the finish line mentality. Hmm. And no one I mean, there's no person on this planet who went from not training to running a marathon the next day. Yes. Like you just, it's unrealistic, yet we expect ourselves to do that all the time. Um, You know, you can't expect yourself in the next hour to be fluent in Italian. It's Mm. like that takes time. You have to take classes. You've got to practice. but But when we are so uncomfortable with where we're at and we think that all of the joy, happiness, and solutions lie in getting there, and we give all of our power to that, then yeah, of course we just want to jump from here to there. And um, and that's when we keep ourselves stuck, because we're expecting ourselves to do it all hmm. instead of giving permission to do little bits, and so that's when we stay at nothing. So yeah, mentors are vital. Um, you know, and like you said, in the age of the internet, it's like you can learn from 
the masters, you know, they're they're at our disposal, which is amazing. Yeah. Yeah. And it's so funny because as you were talking, I kept thinking 408, 408, 408. Oh, no, yeah. it's called 409 because mm-hmm. they tried one more time. One so more it's time. almost as if trying one more time. And I also talk about a story where I talk about Michael Jordan. It's easy to see Michael Jordan now, one of the greatest mm-hmm. basketball players to ever play the game. Yeah. But what about the little high school kid that didn't make the high school basketball team? So mm-hmm. he didn't go from just not making a team, he wasn't good enough, to all of a sudden being, I'm Michael Jordan, welcome to my crib right. on MTV Cribs. No, right. it's in between <laughs> part. It's an in between mm-hmm. part. And that's what I find <laughs> is important about mentors, is, for, is important about studying success, studying yes. what failure can do, studying all these different people that you talked about that had to try one more time to get to 409. Yeah. Success leaves tracks. Mm. So why don't why don't we follow the tracks? It's like, let's see. But you know, what's also tricky in this day of of the internet and and the digital age is we are often just seeing people's highlight reels. Yes. And we're not seeing the whole journey. Mm-hmm. Um, and so it's so easy to compare ourselves to the highlight reel and be like, man, I want to live like that. You know, back in back in the day it was, you know, you you wanted to keep up with the Joneses. Mm-hmm. And the Joneses were just your neighbors, yes. literally your neighbors. Yes. But now it's keeping up with the Kardashians. And it's yes. like, <laughs> how do you keep up with that kind? You know, it's like, it's yeah. unrealistic to think yes. you can go from the Joneses to the Kardashians in a yes. night. Yes. You know? Oh, my goodness. So so it went from just getting the GMC truck to the Lamborghini now. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Goodness. Exactly. Like, come goodness. on. We went from 40000 and now we got to get 200000 That's yeah. That's good. That's yeah. good. So, so... You went deep. I I love it. You went deep and you brought us up. So I want to ask you a question. So who are some of the people? Because I believe iron sharpens iron. So who are the people Mm -hmm. that, because you don't have it all. And I love how you said we're we're all work, right? And so Mm -hmm, who are some of the people that you continue to study from, that you continue to increase your knowledge base so you can add add, um, value to the people who you want to serve? So what are some things that you do? Because the coach needs coaches too, right? Absolutely. Well, yes. So I have a coach, first of all, um, (laughs) for sure. Um, I have business mentors I work with because, yeah, I can't get out of my own way. And then I have resources. You know, I, um, you know, I think of, you know, for me, it's people like Brene Brown or Glennon Doyle, um, you know, strong women uh, who make no apologies. And, you Mm -hmm. know, Brene Brown in particular, who helps me to see that, you know, shame and vulnerability you know, it's nothing to be scared of. Yes. You know, it's the whole like man in the arena quote that is so good about, you know, I don't want to hear the opinions of the cheap seats, get in the arena with me and get dirty and then we can talk. Yes. Um, so, yeah, I look for uh, strong, powerful women who are uh, smashing ceilings left and right. Mm. Um, Kamala Harris, you know, whatever your mm. politics may be, it's like amazing. So yes. she's someone I, I admire and look up to. Um, yeah. So, yeah, I'm, I'm always studying and looking to see, you know, I think about where I'm at, whether that's personally or professionally. And I think about what I would, how I would like to be living. Mm. And I look for people who are doing that. And I, mm. and I study them. I don't yes. just look at their highlight reel because that can be discouraging. Mm. Instead, I'm like, I want to know more about that person. Mm. Um why is that then, so important? Because you have to see, like you say, you have to see the failures. You have to see the times that they stumbled, um, the times that they 
made what they thought was a wrong decision, which, I mean, if you make a, you know, people are so afraid of making decisions, it's like, if you make the wrong one, so just change your mind, make a different one, you know, mm-hmm. um, it's not that scary. So it's important for me to see what their journey was like and what it continues to be. That's the other important thing is, you know, when I study, when I learn from mentors, it does help me to hear where are they struggling today? Because we are all always a work in progress. And I say I'm thankful for that because I don't ever want to be done growing and learning and evolving. How boring would that be? Yeah. Right? So I want to keep learning and realizing, like, wow, you know, if I'm going to beat myself up thinking, God, I've been in business for this long and I'm watching, you know, these young kids zoom past me. Mm. And it's like, you know what, Carrie? That's their journey. You stay yours. Like, Instead of, you know, judging them, learn from them. Mm. What are they doing? You know, and, mm. I'm, and I'm learning a ton from the up-and-comers, uh, which is humbling, <laughs> but yeah, it's also, it, it it's it also valuable. <laughs> it, and, and, I think, and, and I think you said something, not I think, you've said something so important because we get so fixated on looking at the other person's journey and we forget mm. that their journey is their journey, where our journey is our journey. And if we get caught yeah. up in their journey, we may not can handle their journey, just like they couldn't handle our journey. So we got to stay in our lane. Mm-hmm. How important is that? Because we do sit up and we look at other people and want to emulate yeah. them, which I always say, you know, it's, it's, it's nothing wrong with copying, but you got to make sure that you're copying the right people and the people mm-hmm. who can add value to what it is you're trying to do. Because otherwise yeah. you're going to be all over the place. Otherwise it's clutter. Yes. Right. It's like clutter. That's there it. you go. <laughs> we are cluttering up our lives with, mm. um, with the, with ill fitting role models. You know, mm. if you are, just like you said, it was so important what you just said. You know, we cannot expect ourselves to become somebody else. We can be inspired mm. by their choices and their journey. And then the importance of looking at, like, what is it about their decisions, their success, their life? Do I admire and mm. am I inspired by? And then what would that same feeling or essence look like in my life? Mm. Uh, that's the real difference. Instead of trying to be that person, you know, like, oh, where did you get that shirt? And I want to wear that same shoes. And it's like, wait a minute, what's their vibe that you love so much? And how can you get that vibe in your life in your own way? Mm. Um, You know, that's the thing that I talk to my clients a lot about when we talk about things from the past that they they struggle to let go of, whether it's regret from relationships or t-shirts from college or whatever it is, right? It's like, think about what is it, what is the feeling you think you'd be letting go of with that Mm. stuff? Mm. If you miss the good old days of college when you didn't have a lot of responsibility and you, you know, had more like free time to play, how can we get you some more free time to play in your life today? So you're not hanging on to the shirts that represent a time that you think is never more. Um, so, yeah, it's so vital to look at someone's whole picture. Mm-hmm. But, you know, with the internet now, it's, you know, Instagram and Reels and yes. TikTok. It's like you're just seeing, you know, you're just seeing the highlight yes. reel. So yes. how can that beautiful highlight reel translate into your unique existence? It's so funny when you say holding on, holding on to the attachments of that and why we do that. And so how mm-hmm. important, and I know we're getting close to the hour, but um, how important is reframing to you? Reframing is a game changer. Mm. Um, When you challenge your thinking about anything, 
your world explodes in the best mm-hmm. way. Everything just opens up. When you keep a really narrow focus, it does become like tunnel vision and you cannot see all of the beauty in the periphery. Mm-hmm. And that's where all the gems are. So if you have any goal that you have, if you are charging toward that goal, it's so important to reframe your process so you're you are open to the twists and turns that inevitably come up because i feel like you know god the universe however you define it always dreams bigger for you than you can for yourself so you might have this idea of what a goal is and that's a great starting place move toward it but be open to the lefts and the rights that come up along the way because Mm. you're being guided in an even better direction so reframing our thinking is so vital because it takes us out of the vacuum. It allows mm-hmm. us to see more possibilities and opportunities. There's never just one way to get someplace. Mm-hmm. And um, and sometimes if we surrender a bit to the process, we can have a much bigger and better journey. Mm-hmm. Your, the way you sum up all of this is so cool. And the reason why I say it's so cool is because you keep going back to that word, that clutter word, which Mm -hmm. is what you've written your books on, that decluttering, and Mm -hmm. how you were able to really just take it from not just the mess in your room, but Mm -hmm. the mess in our mind, the mess in our relationships, the mess in our finances, the mess Mm -hmm. mess in our health. So being able to use that word declutter that gets that bad rap, right? And all those different bad raps that we give (laughs) different things, but understanding it and understanding why it's a part of our life. So I love how you're able to articulate that. That's that's been Mm -hmm. powerful. Great. Thank you. Yeah, it's that's that's how powerful clutter can be, right? When you think of it as just it's just um, stuff on your trail that needs to be bushwhacked. Right, you just need to clear the trail. Um, if you want to blaze that trail, this is the stuff that just needs to be cleared on it, and it's it takes the power away from it. Mm. And it's like, what can I learn from this instead of how can I overcome this? Mm. It takes the power away from it, so it's important for us to keep that power and not give that Absolutely. power away. Would you say? Yes, I mean that's that's the magic, right? It's like you know when I I often talk about like paperwork clutter. That's the number one kind that takes our power like that very fast. Mm. Little sheets of paper because they tend to represent adulting, credit card bills, insurance policies, divorce papers, whatever it may be. Mm-hmm. And so these little stacks of paper can make us feel inadequate, dumb, um, not good enough. And so it's like just doing one sort of one small stack of papers into two piles, keep and recycle, that act alone, you're going to reclaim so much power from that pile that it's going to intimidate you much less. And if that intimidates you much, much less, so will everything else in your life by because you see how quickly you can reclaim your power. It's vital. Wow. So decluttering allows you to reclaim your power. Absolutely. Wow. Wow. Mm-hmm. So- <sighs> where can people find you? Carrie, where you can, can they find me find online? CarrieRichardson.com. That's K-E-R-R-I. And that's really the hub. I mean, I'm on the social media platforms. You can get all those links from CarrieRichardson.com. And that's where you'll find blog posts I write every week, um, my weekly newsletter that I send out, my books that are available there, and um, in my online my membership community courses, etc. All right there. Definitely. So I got a few more questions for you. Um, But one of the questions I want to ask in closing is this, but I got a few more. But 
what is the gift you want to give to the world? So a mission that I feel is important is I, one of the vision statements I have for my own life and for others is I want to help people to live a life without restriction. Mm. Um, And I don't mean, you know, go gorge on donuts. (laughs) What I mean is (laughs) live a life without restriction um, that we put on ourselves. You know, know that I want to help people to see that the only thing, and this is both good and scary, the only thing standing in your way of living that life you want is you. Mm. And I know that can be a bitter pill to swallow for people because Believe me, I know sometimes it's much easier to hang out in the victim place and the poor me place. But I promise you, when you really embrace that, the only thing standing in my way is me. Mm. That can be a heavy burden on one hand, but it's actually incredibly empowering. Mm. Because anything that I'm up against, I can get through. I just might need some help and be resourceful and learn and try. Um, But yeah, so that's, I want to help people live a life without restriction and to see that they are capable of so much more than they give themselves credit for. Mm. Thank you for that. All right. So I have five words that I'm going to ask you and you can only respond using one word. Oh Lord. Okay. So five (laughs) words I'm going to ask you and you can only respond using one word. Ready? I'll try. Yeah. Go. (laughs) Failure. Try. Success. Accomplishment. Carry. Coach. Coaching. Support. Clutter. Powerful. I want to thank you once again for coming on the Purpose Lab, because as you said, with the last word that you used, this interview was absolutely powerful. So thank you for everything that you're doing, not only for your clients, but for the world. Because as you said, if we can be courageous enough to write it on a sticky note, just that number before you make the call, that's the start. Just write it down. And then we can go over questions that you're going to ask that client or ask that person or ask that that date that you want to go on. So taking a single step. And so thank you for helping our audience to declutter. So we appreciate you joining joining us on the on the Purpose Lab. And I can't wait to bring you back again. Thank you. It was such a great conversation. I enjoyed being here. Thanks. We send our best stuff to our insiders. So make sure you're on the list at aimhighu.com slash insiders.